0: Alrighty. Oh wait, what the hell is it doing? Oh, it's cool. Okay. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Free Exchange of Ideas uh, with your hosts, John, Dave, and Donovan. Uh, This is the inaugural show, so it's kind of our first foray into this whole thing. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, Our first thing is an interview with uh, a guy I work with. Um, His name is Alex Ozark. I know. It sounds like it's fake, but it's not. He's a nice guy. No, and <laughs> he's a pretty nice guy. Uh, and uh, so we're kind of, kind of, just drop it over in his lap and say, if you could, please just give us a little bit of um, where you're working, how you got there, and, and what you do. All right. Yeah. Thanks, John. Yeah. The name is.
1: Real enough that it made it to Netflix, so I really have that going for me. <laughs> Congratulations! Uh, you get some money for yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> sweet. I, I keep talking to Jason Abatement about that,
2: but don't give up, man.
3: <laughs> got him. Get him on the speed dial. Yeah.
1: Uh, you got to get uh, him down to the track, man. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for the intro, John. Um, yeah. So my my background is in the automotive space really fully um coming from detroit obviously motown motor city um it, it enveloped in vehicles you can't throw a stone without hitting someone who's in automotive in detroit uh, so you just grow up uh, enveloped in it there um, so i went to school uh, for mechanical engineering really thinking uh, i have to be in automotive there is no other path i like cars myself it just makes sense so um Worked my way to California uh, for all sorts of crazy reasons, one being the recession in '08. But um, started at a proving grounds uh, in Southern California for Hyundai. I um, had a really fun time doing that just driving cars around, you know, more or less destroying them. Um, and this is back before tech really got a hold of the automotive space. This is, you know, classic automotive uh, pre-2010, um, and then Tesla really came on the scene in 2012 when they launched the Model S. Uh, I was able to drive it back then uh, when I was at Hyundai uh, with Motor Trend, and that really opened my eyes to this whole new tech space that was that could be automotive. Um, now, of course, looking back, it's kind of funny because Tech and automotive are essentially synonymous, but back then they were totally two separate worlds. Um, so decided to make that leap from traditional auto to Tesla and learned a ton. And in that time from 2013 to 15, tech, automotive tech really exploded um, and went down to LA to do a couple other startups. Uh, I was part of an eight person company at one point um which is a wild experience and moving to <clears throat> to try and get back up into the silicon valley world um, with lyft and trying to jump to a slightly different sector which is autonomous vehicles where i am now um, and that transition has been interesting it's definitely outside of automotive for the most part um, but it, it has its own uniqueness to it um, and it's it's pretty pretty exciting, pretty interesting stuff we're trying to accomplish here.
0: Cool. Uh, I I truly do enjoy watching, uh, especially the newbies when you when you bring them out for training. When I should say, when Bob brings them out for training, and uh, they just they just run those cars right into the ground. It's very impressive what those vehicles are able to do with nobody physically steering the vehicle. It's. Fairly, it's a it's a truly impressive um, track that you guys have in in that area uh, up in Northern California. Why? Uh, you said when you drove the Tesla, it was just changed your changed your perspective altogether.
1: Exactly. Um, the the main reason that is is the acceleration profile that electric motor um, torque is instant from you know zero RPM, a standstill, basically. If you think about a normal car, the torque doesn't build until at least 2,000 RPM. So you have to be moving before you really start to feel something. Um, and this is the whole shift in how a vehicle feels when you drive it. I, I actually just drove one of the Pacificas that we use today and I noted to one of my colleagues that there was no relationship between what my feet were doing and what the car was doing. There's a relationship between your hands, right? You're obviously steering a car, and if you input something to the left, the car steers to the left. However, with your feet, if you step on the gas pedal, it may go, it may not go, it may go slowly, it may go fast, depending on wherever the transmission feels like it should be. but when you let off the accelerator, what happens? Nothing, it just keeps on going. That is a very weird thing to wrap your brain around, right? This this feeling of detachment to the vehicle. Electric vehicles give you a, a real attachment. Your, your foot controls exactly what's happening in the car. Um, and, and as soon as I felt that attachment, it became a whole new um, like person, man, machine, uh uh engagement way better
2: yeah i, I have that's... to agree with you having, having having driven the tesla s it the word i use to describe it is intuitive it's just the it, the way you, you you drive the car using the pedals take your foot off take a push put put pressure on it and it just just does whatever you want it to do it's an amazing amazing
0: car yeah as soon as you think it basically it happens which is awesome yeah that is probably the neatest thing about electric vehicle well all the all electric vehicles is it it's just that instant on acceleration you get all of the horsepower right out of the box it put to the floor or just a little touch you it's all there all at once and that's uh yeah that's oh, quite John, it's
1: all the torque not all the horsepower
0: oh did i say horsepower i meant torque
1: <laughs> yeah that's all right
2: <laughs> <laughs> unlike unlike a hybrid which are slow <laughs> <laughs> exactly, because there's even two, more components. I own, I own, yeah. yeah, I own two Priuses. So, and yeah, a great car, but definitely not a car you want. You you step on the pedal, the gas on that thing, and yeah, like, hey, I can outrun those things on my bike.
0: <laughs> That's not really fair, though. You're quite so. the bicyclist. <laughs> True. <laughs> so. Um, all right. So, uh, from Tesla, you did you go directly from Tesla to um, Lyft? I went from
1: Tesla to a couple uh, EV startups in Los Angeles, uh, one being Faraday Future, another being Change Energy. Um, Both had very uh, interesting, let's call them Chinese ties and backing. Um, And I guess most importantly, the the thing about Los Angeles Tech Space is that it's not a well-known or well-funded or well cared for space um, there aren't you know a ton of VCs that are down there to give anyone money it's not a hardware rich environment um, you you just don't have much down there in the way of tech so um, it, it, it didn't go well uh, for those companies and, and companies down there aren't doing amazing let's say mm-hmm. uh, but the living environments. Fantastic. I don't know if you guys have ever lived at the beach, but uh, it's
3: pretty sweet. I grew up in... I thanks. lived in Oceanside for several years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, a, Oceanside, awesome.
0: yeah, I grew up in Orange County. So my house was actually like three miles from Disneyland. So every year we were in Disneyland four or five times. And then, of course, if you just go straight up Harbor Boulevard, it takes you right to Newport Beach. So if I wasn't, if yeah, I wasn't I at was... Disneyland, I was at Newport if I wasn't in school. And even if I was in school, I was probably in Newport. (laughs) Interesting, Alex, that you say that about
2: tech, because you think tech would be like pretty hand in hand with the entertainment industry, particularly with movies and stuff like that. Uh, But I guess a lot of that, like Pixar is located up in Marin, right? So I don't know how that all works out. Exactly.
1: I know people in that industry now, from L.A., just kind of in the artistry space, period. And it's not really a tech-heavy industry. It's it's pretty Hmm. old-school, not from a... Yes, they're using fancy computer programs, but the processes, the way it's laid out is pretty pretty classic, pretty old-school.
0: Okay. How long have you been with um, Lyft now? I hit a, a year a month ago. Oh, wow. surprisingly! Congratulations, that's a good, uh, good anniversary. Congrats! Yeah, thanks. Well, it was a weird year. I started uh, in COVID,
1: in lockdown. I moved from Los Angeles to the Bay Area at a time where Los Angeles wasn't locked down, but the Bay Area was. And I thought, oh, am I making the right move? And then, yeah, I, I didn't meet. People I worked with until several weeks into the
0: uh, onboarding. Oh wow! <laughs> that had to very be very weird experience to start. I was going to say that had to be a little. I would think. Uh, I mean, I know for myself, I got very, very lucky in that the job that I have is considered a first responder, so I didn't lose any time. But I can imagine sitting in a, in literally a new city, a new apartment space, and going. I don't even know if we're going to have a company at the end of this anymore. It, the, that period of time from January 2020 to now is... I, I don't even know how to describe it. I just feel so lucky that I had a job where I was able to continue working. Um, I, I know a bunch of people that didn't. So, I'm, And I'm glad that we were able to, or that you were able to get this job, maintain this job, and I mean, really, what you do is, uh, is it—is it more a, a management of people and, and resources? Oh, I should probably talk about what I actually do, huh? Sure, because <laughs> you're not out there no. driving, like you said, you took the Pacifica no. out and was really surprised, but...
1: Yeah. No, I, so... At my current position, I manage a couple teams. Um, one team is focused on setting and creating the test specifications and running tests uh, for validating new software uh, on the autonomous vehicle. So we specifically work at a uh, we'll call it a test track. Um, that we have to ourselves. It's got a couple uh, stoplights, stop signs, different driving type scenarios. And uh, my guys will go out there with a new software and validate it in a bunch of different scenarios, make sure it's safe enough to go out on the road um, and kind of do that day in, day out with different versions of software, uh, different types of tests, depending on what they're trying to um, really hone in on as far as the issue or validation type um so that's really fun to watch Uh, again coming from automotive i want to stick close to the vehicle itself we're pretty hands-on guys so being able to uh, see the vehicles in action compared to really a software engineering role where you're kind of creating code but especially in this time frame the covid time frame you're not allowed to really be in the car, see what it's doing. So uh, I know it's difficult for the engineers that are involved, but for me, I'm I'm thankful I can actually see the vehicle run. Um, And then the other team that I manage is a team that um, is responsible for maintaining and keeping the AVs uh, up and ready to go. Uh, We operate in San Francisco and Palo Alto. um, And so they work between both locations making sure everything is uh, good uh basically there are only a few companies very few actually that are creating a ground up uh av vehicle that is on the road testing now so i mean a vehicle that is built specifically with uh sensors with wiring harnesses with all these um power requirements that are needed to power all these devices um well, most of the companies currently are using uh, off the shelf vehicles from different manufacturers whether that's Ford or Chrysler uh Toyota um and then adding sensors onto that so when you have this Vehicle that was sort of never meant <laughs> to house the sensors um, And you're adding stuff to it. You're going to have a lot of immigration problems So just keeping those things uh, alive and running is a whole team in itself, which is uh,
0: pretty Difficult let's say <laughs> Okay um, So I did want to ask you about that actually uh,
3: uh,
0: About driving the vehicles on the street uh, so are they just driving them like basically from Palo Alto up to San francisco or in a in a, or just in a like neighborhood kind of setting are they on the freeway because uh, I honestly don't have any idea. yes yeah, so we
1: we've got a couple different routes uh we've got some city based ones we've got some neighborhood-based runs. Uh, uh, we don't run on the freeway in autonomy at the moment, uh, but obviously we have to transit between the two locations using the freeway. Right. Um, but yeah, we try and get a, a good variety of things that that challenge the AV. Uh, you really want to have a lot of data of interesting scenarios because when you have machine learning algorithms, it's important to have those edge cases, those weird cases, those everyday cases all feeding into uh, the stack basically so it can start uh, learning and making um, decisions.
0: Okay, um, so I remember like t- t- decades ago actually where they uh, MIT had first built, a ve- I want to say it was MIT, I'm not positive, but it was a university, had first built a what they called an autonomous vehicle and it was more like uh, I don't know if anybody else used to build these when I when I was a kid. I used to build ship models that had motors on them, but they weren't remote control. They had a little cog you would set down into into gears, and it would make the boat do a you know a circle or a figure eight or a left turn and then a right turn that kind of thing. That's not what you guys are doing at all, is it?
1: it, it as far as like there being a pre-programmed way that the car drives around no Um, it kind of makes decisions out on its own you you can do something where you record a lot early days especially when uh, there were quote-unquote autonomous you can't see this but I'm making air quotes uh, (laughs) autonomous race cars what they would do is they would a real driver would drive along the line that they wanted the car to take and then gps would record that data and then basically the car would replay that right and and that is like a very very low level of autonomy the car is technically driving itself but it's a very pre-programmed prescribed route um this is not like that Uh, the the one thing that does universally need to be true at the moment is you need a a known map with specific known lanes uh, for the car to make sure it knows where it's at and then from there it starts making predictions and uh, drives around as it as it needs to
0: okay i remember we had um another group that want that had borrowed space they were they had a tractor uh, i mean tractor uh, a big rig and a couple of cars I think and they had they had set up bots dots and they used those as their um, the reflectors they used the for the car to learn where it was in the track um, now they were using like a lidar I think system is that is that right yeah, and pretty much everyone is using a lidar
1: system except for Tesla on their production vehicles, but yeah, all, all the test AV vehicles are going to have some lidar system. Uh, lidar being uh, a laser distance and ranging device, very similar to radar using radio waves,
0: but this is light. Yeah, so it's like a rangefinder at the golf course. Yep. So I'm a little uh, how how far along do you think we are to having a truly autonomous vehicle?
1: Hmm. This is a million dollar question. Right? And uh, yeah. you know if you if you follow this space, you'll have seen this progression of um, you know, executives making these claims of, oh, we will have fully autonomous robo-taxi fleets by. 2021 or 2022 um you name it every date has been thrown out and every date has been and we will be missed because <laughs> it's it's an extremely uh difficult problem to predict when you'll have a solution for and that's basically what they're trying to do um so i am i'm a bit uh, bearish on the whole av um Industry, I think it's going to take a lot longer to roll out to the level that I think we all glorify in our heads, right? Like sure. this utopian world where cars are just zipping along driving themselves. I think that's a very long ways away, uh, especially when you talk about regulations, right? When when at, at this moment, if you have a car that's just driving itself, there's really no regulations at the DOT level that... Uh, are governing this thing mm-hmm. um, there are some at the state level but still it's it's a bit uh, vague um, and I think to get true acceptance we're going to need the re- regulatory bodies to weigh in and as we all know that will probably take a long time
0: yeah when you, when you uh, get to um, a group of people to make a decision you've added you know hours and days to a yes or no question <laughs> absolutely and and I mean the reality is
1: could you do this type of autonomous driving in very small areas of the globe? Sure. Um, I just don't know how I just don't know if that qualifies for the technology being rolled out. You know. Sure. Um, I think on on a larger scale it's going to take a very long time. We're talking five to ten years.
0: That's not too bad though. I mean that's That's a pretty small window, all things considered. I think. Um, Yeah. Honestly, if I saw, they've been saying.
1: uh, You go ahead. uh, I'll just say, keep in mind, they've been saying five to ten years for five to ten years. So
0: uh, (laughs) that sounds about right. So let me ask you this, because there are a couple of companies. uh, One is a delivery. I think it's a grocery delivery service, right? Um, And it's basically a tall skateboard that looks kind of like a station wagon where you can just pack crap into it. And I think they have a speed limit of 25 miles an hour, is that right? Uh, They're the only ones that have been cleared in California. I think it was California. Um, I think that's a Neuro. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, But there's also another company uh, that's associated with Google, right? in Arizona that they finally got some kind of clearances? Yeah,
1: Waymo, Waymo. Um, which is, I don't know if they've completely spun out of Google now or if it's still a subsidiary, but
2: um,
1: yeah, basically, and they have had for a while uh, clearances to uh, basically give public rides in the Phoenix area. And that same thing is true in las vegas for other companies um i think Motional is one i think waymo is also another one um
3: yeah i don't know what giving rights to the public is is there i I don't know what company it is but um that well at least the company that makes the autonomous drones for grocery (laughs) delivery but they've been using them here in modesto Uh, one of the grocery stores that we have has them and they're little short, like robots. They stick the, the groceries in and then they send them off on their way. And, uh, the, their delivery range is like, I think like a mile or two, something like that. And it basically just drives along the sidewalk and eventually gets to the person's home (laughs) and the person comes out, opens it up, takes their groceries and sends the robot back to the store
1: i had no idea that was like in actual practice that's pretty cool
3: yeah i mean although it's it does still seem to be pretty buggy because um like we've driven along the main road that uh -hmm. we'll see them go along and you know we'll see some going along just fine and then but we'll also see dead ones (laughs) that are just kind of they're just sitting there on the side of the on the side of the road, not doing anything. You're right, <laughs> I, I, Classic. I saw.
2: It's like I saw send
3: that, out a signal for help.
2: <laughs> medic. <laughs> I, I saw that in Berk, Berkeley too. They had like these little robots, like just on the sidewalk delivering stuff at the at the U C <sighs> there. So, yeah, it was pretty interesting. I, I hadn't seen that before.
3: What do you think about the, uh, I mean, they were mentioning possible drone delivery for um, Amazon, Amazon yeah. for you, like last year. <laughs> and like the, the meme that immediately came up for it was like, Amazon drone delivery. It's like skeet shooting with prizes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I can
2: good
3: totally means. see that. I mean, I
1: hate drones to begin with. I, that is the most annoying sound I think that has been invented so far. Um, yeah, so I can't imagine that's going to get wide adoption, but we'll see. Oh,
0: yeah, those yeah, are i
3: mean, like, I, too. I doubt it. I, I mean, and like, I mean, especially if like for for a company like Amazon to do it, um, because they're going to have, I mean, it would it would end up being a lot of drone deliveries, and you know that people are going to be doing exactly what they said in the meme, like no joke. Oh yeah. absolutely. <laughs> like you, oh, absolutely they're could get really on them yeah so i mean like it's it i mean there's there's no i i would definitely not <laughs> suggest it I, i'm assuming that they'll they'll kill it but um yeah that would be a huge money dump for them they would they would lose their asses on it so
1: yeah i mean it's sort of like flying cars right we've been hearing about flying cars for yeah. what 20, 30 years. I mean, that so is that true. the I know, is true child, quote Jetsons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that shit is never happening.
2: Longer than that, yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> oh,
3: throat> Alex, I have a question for you. Yeah, the Jetsons. <laughs> Jetsons yeah. back in, what, the 50s, 60s? <laughs>
2: Alex, I have a question for you. Like, I want to, what's your, I guess, Uh, Perspective and opinion on like the future of autonomous vehicles because one of the things like we've been Seeing in the news is that like uh, Millennials and definitely the the elder Gen Zers now aren't like buying cars and stuff like that Because in actuality, you don't really need a car, right? Because you can just like call Lyft call Uber you call whatever just zip cars there things like that You just go out you just get a car or you get a ride Um, What do you think the future of autonomous vehicles will be like say? 25 years yeah I I definitely think there is a future for a
1: pure rental model right like no ownership uh you either subscribe to let's say lift for x amount of rides or x dollar amount I mean that that already exists today uh, but let's say in the more rural communities, um, one of the beautiful things about autonomous and rental is that you could just hail an autonomous vehicle to you. Um, that would be a great use. Let's say you want a vehicle to just go do your own thing, not in autonomous driving. Uh, you wanted to go to the woods, national park, whatever. Um, you know, uh, you could hail a car, it could drive itself to you. And then once it got to you, you can pilot it yourself uh, i think oh, that's a real, real very real scenario um but i think in 25 years many metro areas will have some level of autonomous vehicles operating in
2: it are you guys going to take over the cab cab industry <laughs> yeah i don't know I, I really don't know i especially as
1: someone that doesn't want to give up driving in all scenarios um Just to set the record straight, I drive a Tesla Model 3 now. um, Driving to my house tonight, I let it drive on the freeway for me. Um, But outside of that, I appreciate driving. Uh, It's a fun thing for me to do, and I want to be able to drive, let's say, in the mountains. Um, So I think there will always be a level of human driving. I I don't think we'll ever get rid of that. yeah but yeah i think uh, there will be a level of autonomy and a level of rental how those two things overlap i think we've yet to really spell out because neither of them are fleshed out um, but i think they'll both be in play yeah,
2: yeah I, that's interesting because i i totally agree with you on that that like that it'll be a it'll come to a point where you probably won't really need to own a car unless you actually just wanted to right so like parking in the city sucks, so why would you want to own a car in the city? <laughs> so
1: <laughs> exactly, I think that that model has played out quite well. I just think we, as Americans, are very capitalistic, of course. Very, uh, you know, we like owning stuff. And we just image, love shit. Image
2: conscious. Image conscious. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so it's gonna be hard for us to to shut that off, but I think that'll. Eventually happen. Even myself, I, I think about the depreciation costs of the cars that I've owned, and I thought, man, I probably never need half of those. Yeah,
2: I always tell people never buy a brand new car. <laughs> it's, I mean, having it's worked one in, rule. The, the the kind of the kind of audit I worked at Hurts for five years, and I'm like, I have, I have a friend who called me up. He's like, should I check out a car at Enterprise or Hertz? I'm like, you totally should. I was like, it's worth the money. It's I, so I can't speak for Enterprise but Hertz turns their cars over every two years. All the cars are two years old. So, you know- Are they just uh, destroyed too after two years? No, you know, interesting enough not because there's a lot of things like, cause Hertz, like we would rent those cars from say Chrysler and Ford and stuff like that. So, and then after two years, we'd give them back, right? So a lot of the cars you see on car lots as, um, what do they call They They call them certified used cars. Those are rentals. So, the rental company, say Hertz, but has to keep up with all the maintenance on the car and stuff like that. So like um, if the car needed, like the oil light came on and the car needed an oil change, and it was in the system too, it's in the computer system when it needs oil change, it wouldn't let us rent that car out. So um, we would have to get, get that car to the to the mechanics, get the oil change before you can rent that car out. So um, things like that. So if Hertz didn't keep up with the maintenance, of those vehicles then Hertz would have to buy that car right so Hertz doesn't necessarily want to be spending money at buying cars it just wants to get what we can out of the car to give them back so so yeah so I always tell people a lot of those cars that are uh, you could buy in a rental a, a formerly used rental is a great idea and a lot of the cars that are questionable like say a car was in an accident or something like that we would auction those cars off so then other car dealers or mechanics stuff like that would buy those cars fix them and then sell them themselves. But any car that was kind of questionable, we wouldn't um, sell ourselves or anything like that. We'd, we'd auction those off.
1: Every car I'd ever returned to Hertz has probably been questionable.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I worked at the private airport, so I worked for like a lot of the, the, uh, oh. the, 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 I worked for a lot of the, like, the corporate VIPs and stuff like that. and people flying in on our own airplanes. I got to meet John Elway a few times, Barry Bonds. John <laughs> Tesh. So I got, to, <laughs> <John Tesh. laughs> so I got to, people like that. But uh, yeah, so the cars I dealt with were never necessarily like that. But uh, they, those are definitely out there for sure. There's people who rent cars and have no respect for the vehicle whatsoever. Um, and then people, and there's people who do. So there's always- Hey, I like John gonna, Tesh. You're always gonna have that. John Tesh. John Tesh was one of the greatest guys I ever met. Uh, I I probably talked to him for like fifteen minutes. He was so awesome. I even got to ask him about his wife. So
0: <laughs> nice. Who is
2: a <laughs> Yeah, Connie Selica's is not bad. That's what I mean. <laughs> He's the nicest guy and good looking. I couldn't believe it. So I was <laughs> <I'm> like, wow. <laughs> he's like, I don't know, He's older than us, but he's still that like good looking guy. I was like, whoa. He's, but super nice guy.
3: <laughs> he uh, on his on his radio show now. I mean, like at least for well the past few years i think um he often goes over like health tips like just to like everyday health tips to keep people you know uh keep their their lives and their bodies healthy so it's actually pretty cool he has and he gives a lot of really cool tips i'm like i was like hey that makes sense
0: (laughs) Yeah,
2: he's the nicest guy i swear to god the great guy so
0: (laughs) awesome all right so um let's uh I think let's move forward Go back a little and get bit. Get back on track. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Um, I did want to ask you, Alex, if that, if you think computer, uh, I'm sorry, hardware, computer hardware is going to come down to a size that's going to be beneficial to a vehicle, say, like a Hyundai Accent, which is a little tiny thing, as opposed to you know the this, this size of vehicle that you have now which you, I think you said everybody's using the Ford Fusion because it was one of the first ones to be used and then we everybody's using Pacific because I see a lot of Pacificas around as well um, and I recognize that the Pacifica has that big trunk area and the and the Ford Focus has a pretty good sized trunk as well and I know there's a lot of wires and, and stuff all over the car so obviously you're not at that point to do that yet but um, how much or how much smaller do you think computer uh, hardware has to get before we get there?
1: It depends on who you ask. So if you that's were to ask Elon, <laughs> if you were to ask Elon, that car's you know, oh, you've yeah. got a little computer that's underneath the the footwell, basically, and you've got eight however many cameras, uh, Tesla people are going to roast me on the internet after this, uh, <laughs> some number of cameras and, and the car is good to go. You could be autonomous ready. Um, it, I think a lot of the sensors that are on the research and development vehicles that you see out there are slightly redundant, right? They're in a data gathering mode, not necessarily a production level vehicle if that makes sense so they had a lot more than is needed so don't think about trying to fit that big computer in the back of a pacifica into your personal car it just won't need to be that big um so yeah i i i I think we're probably already there to answer your question
0: okay so we don't need to miniaturize more to be able to pack more computing power into that area Right, it's not necessarily about
1: <laughs> computing power, it kind of is, but it's it's about them now taking that data, the learnings that they have from all their uh, uh, road miles, and pairing that and porting that to a, a, a productionized version of what they did on the road, right? So it has to be like smaller sensors less sensors and less compute power needed but they just haven't they're not there yet to, to make that happen but i think all the core hardware technology is there to allow it to
0: happen okay okay that's good that's good news i think um if we that's my perspective some someone some you know
1: electrical and software guys would probably destroy me over that but i just think that there isn't that much we have to change
0: okay so let so let me ask you this because if i look at a current uh test autonomous fusion there's a lot of like you were talking about there's a lot of outside stuff the cameras the lidar pieces they're all outside the body obviously you couldn't french them in like like tesla did but how much further is tesla along because they built the car with that in mind in the beginning.
1: Yeah, I mean, exactly. I, again, if you asked Elon, he'd argue they're- Well, yeah, but- Good to go. Um, you know, if you were to take that same design and add what the other parts of the industry think is necessary, which is LiDAR, uh, and there are some uh, stationary storage LiDARs coming, which don't have any uh, moving parts, I guess. Um, smaller form factor cheaper if integrating something like that wouldn't be a huge task so yeah I think it's, it's really tough to say because no one's really <laughs> there yet but um, I, I think Tesla's pretty far along and they're also willing to um, try things out a bit sooner than others right it
0: certainly seems that, that goes way. a long way yeah yeah well, you know, when I think about trucks, just to kind of stay with Tesla, when I think about trucks and I think about the, like, the F 150 Raptor or uh, the Dodge 1500 or 23, 2500 with that big Cummins diesel in it, and then I look at the Cybertruck, and I'm like, that was Elon Musk having a good time with a drawing board, I think. And he, and he really Bronze, yeah. took a ton of time and threw everything that he knew out the window and started basically from scratch. I think that's what he did with the Tesla vehicle because the only vehicle that wasn't that way from the get-go was the, the original Roadster. He That was his proof right. of concept, was that Roadster. Um, and I think the S is his proof of concept of um, sales and manufacturing. Because that's the car that was built literally from the ground up to do something it's not really ready to do. But it has all the cameras, it has all the the intake and all the all the number crunching ability to do on the freeway for the most part. I mean there's obviously times when it has failed but uh, I think there, what is it like a three or four percent failure rate, known failure rate, It's really very low they are catastrophic failures but they're still extremely low uh, the, I think the the question for me now is is Tesla going to be the first one to hit it all up or <laughs> and, and just drive away with it or is Waymo and um, Lyft right behind them Yeah, it's, it's a question of how uh,
1: who's the first uh, the largest commercialization of it, I think, because Tesla's technically the first, right? I mean, we've been driving around with that somewhat light. Uh, uh, the, the SAE has different levels for autonomous driving. It's called a level two system. Mm-hmm. Um, that's... That was commercialized in 2014. You said Um, SAE?
0: Standard American Engineering? SAE. Yeah. Okay, so are they a, a, I'm sorry, to kind of follow down the rabbit hole a little bit, is SAE a kind of a governing body, or are they just kind of laying out what they think is going to happen and what uh, rules they might need to incorporate as they go along? no sae i think it's society
1: of automotive engineers oh okay um they are uh just a body that puts out best practices and um guidelines basically that some people can follow like if you uh go to federal motor vehicle safety standards FMBSS, mm-hmm. uh which is what how the dot decides what's legal or not legal for automotive manufacturers, um, they will reference an SAE document, right? So um, they generally end up proposing a lot of uh, really useful information for the industry to use, whether that's in a, um, like I said, as in a guideline piece or as regulatory piece, but it's not them actually doing the regulation.
0: Okay, okay. Um, But it sounds like a group has been agreed upon that is following the, the tech and the progress and making notes on how we should uh, continue.
1: Yeah, I don't know where they're at with that part specifically, but they've just uh, def- definitively said these are the different levels of autonomous driving. So. Um, level five is you don't need a steering wheel in the vehicle. <laughs> uh, level four is I think you do need one, uh, but a human wouldn't have to take over necessarily. And level three is a human is expected to take over at some point. Level two is like a human has to be in control most of the time, something like that. I'm completely butchering it, but uh, I should look it up.
0: <laughs> All right, well, I don't. I'll be perfectly honest with you, man. I, I think you touched everything that, that I asked, and, and I really don't have anything else. How about you, Dave or, or Donovan?
3: I was curious. You said uh, you used to work for Tesla back in the day, right? A few yeah. years ago? Um, so uh, did you get any stock? I did, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> do you still have it have you, are you a holder or a seller
1: <laughs> i am i am a long holder i held it this entire time since 2014
3: ish uh, uh nice. allowed me to by my house i'll say that <laughs> yeah i was gonna say because like uh within the past year it's gone through the roof and especially it's like gone up even more this year <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah i, I props to you on for that i uh it's it was a nice
1: cool thing to happen to be honest i, I wish i waited about three weeks to sell but um <laughs> yeah it's been a wild wild ride
3: yeah i mean like i was i was i'm i'm just recently like i'm i'm pretty new so um just recently getting into uh like stocks and cryptocurrencies and everything else in fact that's what i'm planning on talking about today is uh cryptocurrency just giving like an overview um that's a uh, a nice segue (laughs) what do you think about um like luminar because i know luminar like just recently released that they're gonna do something with lidar and they're supposed to be like one of the top companies for lidar and we were talking about that
1: luminar yes it is a uh... LiDAR company, right? Yeah, I believe in, so. Yeah, in Paul also. I don't so know, like, I actually know what they're
3: working on. Because there was a there was like a, um, a press release, I think, just like a couple of days ago, where they they had announced that they were uh, dropping the cost, um, like the end cost of their LiDAR system um, to. Well, hopefully, to like, I'm not sure if they're selling to Tesla or just anybody. Um, I don't know what their contracts are, but I, I was just, it triggered when we were, we started talking about LiDAR earlier. So I went ahead and looked up Luminar real quick because I, I knew that they had just uh, done a press release. Like, do you guys use, does Lyft use Luminar technology or? no we use uh, different
1: uh, lidars and we've used a couple uh, over the course of time um but i don't i wonder if luminar is the um uh, solid state lidar company because they're really trying to bring
3: I, the cost down yeah that's that seems to be their main focus there was something about uh I guess they were trying to bring it down to like twenty three dollars. Something like that. Like which would be way, way cheap, I would think. Of course I have no idea what the what the costs are, but (laughs) Yeah, interesting. I'm not sure I'm gonna have to look that up myself. Um sure I guess I can (laughs) I guess I can I can start next. I don't know. Well, actually, Donovan, uh, did you wanna go next or did you? That's what I was
0: thinking.
2: Should go next. I think I think, I think cryptocurrency is kind of uh, along the uh, close, uh, as far as technology goes is, you know, cri- cryptocurrency and, you know, self-driving cars kind of go hand-in-hand. Hand. <laughs> they they <laughs> technically do now
1: with uh, Tesla being uh, uh, an owner of Bitcoin. In fact,
3: yep. they made a 100 million on Bitcoin Nope. Q1. Already? Oh, um, well, I I know like just in February uh, Tesla invested 1.6 billion dollars into Bitcoin. So oh my God.
0: Wow.
3: Yeah, and, <clears throat> and, and like since then like money. Bitcoin has gone up a lot. Oh. Like Bitcoin as a whole, if you if you total all the market value, um, as of when it was at, like, $55,000 uh, per Bitcoin. Um, the total amount of market value put it a little over a trillion dollars. So cryptocurrency is definitely not a joke. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah so over a trillion ahead. dollars just per. Um, just, well, I mean, like, I don't know how much... You guys understand, like, I didn't know very much at all about cryptocurrency, just be honest, other than, hey, I know the names Bitcoin and Ethereum. Yay. I don't even know that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I learned about doggy oh, well. coin, doggy coin from Dave. I still don't know anything about yeah.
3: it. Yeah. By the way, okay, just, uh, like, I'm going to go ahead and say this right now before I begin. Please. Um, the technically correct way to say it apparently is Dogecoin. Uh, (laughs) that's correct that sounds really douchey to me (laughs) that's correct (laughs) yeah but like I mean, like, so, to me, it, it makes more sense being like just being called Doggy Coin because I mean, the mascot is a dog for one, and then for two, it's an e coin, right? It's electronic <laughs> currency. <laughs> so Doggy Coin. I, I, I am really
1: showing your age on this
3: one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Gen X in the I, house. <laughs> hey, I'm just, I'm gonna, I am i
3: am going i do not care. I'm gonna call it Doggy Coin.
2: <laughs>
0: All right, and we're allowed to make fun of you for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you are going to be a regular Alex.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, no um anyway, so the brief uh, overview of cryptocurrency um I Alex I'm assuming you already understand. So <laughs> <laughs> so mostly for John Donovan and anybody who's actually happening to listen to this show
0: and what's the first um, thing we say about about um advice on Anything financial. We don't know oh, Squat. Yeah. We are not financial advisor. I am the worst possible financial
3: advisor. <laughs> Do not listen to anything I say because my portfolio as a whole has gone down by at least twenty percent since I started.
0: Ouch.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> um, you gotta the, big <laughs> Yeah. Well I mean, you know, like like to be honest, it was a uh, it's like a learning process, right? It's like yeah. Anyway, so um, Bitcoin the is obviously the first and biggest and the way that cryptocurrencies work in general is it's decentralized um, electronic currency. So there's no particular there's no particular entity that has any control over the currency itself. There's no banks um, it's basically country. split. Yeah, there's no no bank, no regulation. Um, although uh, recently, Turkey officially uh, banned using crypto uh, using Bitcoin in their country. So, so
0: specifically, not there is crypto that crypto in general, but specifically
3: Bitcoin. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it, it said Bitcoin, so. Um, but it is, it is quite possible that they, they were just going with all cryptocurrency. But Bitcoin is the, um, is still the biggest amount of financial movement. So, um, And one of the, the important differentiations between the types, um, because Bitcoin and Ethereum, while they're both cryptocurrency, they work very differently. Uh, Bitcoin actually has an absolute maximum Number of bitcoins that can be mined or generated.
0: Is that, okay? Um, can I can I just ask a question, A real quick question. So is it is it a total number of, of ability to mine, or I mean, uh, a total number? It's 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 a solid. It's only it's already. I'm sorry, I am not doing this very well. I apologize. Um, so is there a total number of bitcoin, and, and so much of it has been mined, or? is that you can only mine so much over a period of time
3: that's what i'm trying to explain right now oh i apologize um there is at least i understand that's okay (laughs) um there there is a hard cap of how many bitcoin there can be period they have not all been mined yet um because uh it's a little bit technical but there's a bunch of computers like the mining process is basically solving really complex uh, mathematical puzzles, more or less. Um, and then once they're, they're solved, it becomes a new block on the blockchain. Um, and Bitcoin has, ver- has a finite maximum number, but the- we haven't reached that yet. Um, they, the current projections is that the final Bitcoin will be mined in like 2040. Um, oh, wow, but so as of right bit. now... Um, but as of right now, uh, it has it because so many have already been mined. It has a very low inflation. So just like with uh, any other currency, like U.S. dollars, right? The more that we, the the more that the Treasury prints, right? The less intrinsic value it has. Right? That's the nature of inflation. Because there's more of it, so there's less that uh, less value it actually holds um, and the same thing holds true for cryptocurrencies in that uh, the the inflation will affect the value of the coin but with um with bitcoin since there's an absolute cap it's currently inflationary with a promise of being deflationary in the future um but uh, ethereum and dogecoin doggy coin um, <laughs> they actually work differently they uh they have no hard cap as to how many can be created so there is an unlimited amount of ethereum and dogecoin that's available to be mined but in a similar method um that bitcoin has the where the the puzzles get progressively harder and harder as more are solved and more um, blocks are created um the same thing works with ethereum and dogecoin the puzzles are getting steadily more and more difficult um and both of them do have a cap uh for amount of coin that can be created per year so they are both inflationary um but dogecoin uh is already down to like a four percent inflation which isn't which really isn't that bad in comparison to a lot of other currencies um (laughs) anyway so that's that's like how they compare um so dogecoin is kind of similar to ethereum in that there's no real hard cap um but like it takes a little while longer for them to to be created at this point um as for and yes dogecoin was originally a joke like its whole existence like when the the creators of dogecoin made it it was a joke and a meme but one of the things that they did with it really early on um was they had a lot of social media following even back in 2013 2014 when they made it Um, and they actually used it as a platform to uh, like make donations like to like charities um, they also uh, made a donation to a NASCAR driver they actually sponsored the Jamaican Bobsled team like in one of the um, years of the Olympics that kind of thing so which is also kind of amusing but um, so like and it's like and, and but they did also they, Gave a lot to charities and things like that are still happening today. Um, The reason that it started going crazy this year at the beginning of this year um, was partially because of Elon Musk sending out multiple tweets, you know, promoting the coin for one. And then, um, you know, Wall Street Bets, the same guys who had a hand in the whole GameStop. Uh, fiasco.
0: <laughs>
3: I don't know if you how much you guys know about that, but um, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, because, like, yeah. The short version is for anybody who doesn't know is the Reddit thread Wall Street bets um, caught wind that a large hedge fund, hedge fund company, uh, a large hedge fund was going to be shorting GameStop stock and that means they're basically betting on it to lose like if you short a stock and the stock goes down then they basically make a bunch of a bunch of money saying that's what the hedge fund's plan was Wall Street pets caught wind of it and immediately said let's turn around and buy it so they performed what's called a short squeeze. They drove the price of GameStop stock through the roof and basically screwed that hedge fund out of literally billions of dollars. So, yeah! <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's insane. Um, so, yeah, social Man. media definitely has a huge, huge role nowadays. <laughs> <coughs> a a
1: like lot a goes one- on.
0: One
3: good underdog
1: story this year so far.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We needed it. Actually, (laughs)
3: yeah, I agree. Um, And and then, like, people started buying up Dogecoin towards the end of last year. It started becoming more and more popular. Um, Even back in February, when it was, like, getting up into the six or seven cents each, um more places had started uh saying that they would accept it as currency like they they would actually sell products and services for dogecoin including um even a restaurant there's a a restaurant in maryland um i can't remember the name of it right now but there was a a restaurant in maryland that started accepting dogecoin as payment for like food Mm -hmm. so um so yeah and now as of now especially like because of you know two weeks ago when suddenly it just like went through the roof <laughs> and spiked up to like 45 cents um at its at its high point uh, a lot more places now accept Dogecoin as payment including the mavericks you can buy, thanks to Mark, uh, Mark Cuban, you can buy Mavericks merchandise with Dogecoin if you want to. <laughs> and he has said that they will not turn around and sell it; they will basically just hold the Dogecoin in their portfolio. in, in their po- portfolio. So.
0: So that's kind of like Mavericks team we saw company. That, um, you had showed me that um, a group was trying was doing the buy up in Dogecoin and uh, one of the things because we discussed this one of the things was that uh, in order to buy that dogecoin you had to use your bitcoin or we thought at the time that you had to use your bitcoin and i thought okay this sounds like one of two things this is either real and if you buy if you buy the dogecoin with your bitcoin you're giving up your bitcoin but you're expecting dogecoin to go through the roof um and your bitcoin is like you said worth fifty-five thousand versus the dogecoin i think in the beginning was less worth less than a penny. Is that right?
3: Oh, at the very beginning, I mean, we, it was like, like, I mean, you're talking hundreds of, hundreds of thousands of a cent. Yeah. So, I mean, and, it was but, like point so, zero 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 one.
0: Right. I think I saw it at <laughs> point zero, zero, 0.002. I think I want to say that when, when you first started talking to me about it and that, and uh, you found that uh, thread, where they were going to buy a bunch of it and pushed it up to forty-five, and man, if you pushed up to forty-five when you bought it at less than a penny.
3: Oh yeah, it was it was instant payday. Yeah, you were. I you mean, now a um, banker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, hypoth- hypothetically, if you had invested one dollar into Dogecoin five years ago and just held it and like you forgot about it because it's only a dollar, right? If you had it right now, it would be worth $130,000. That
0: $1. <laughs> and how many years did you have to hang on to that? Just one? That was five. Oh, five, five years. years. So that that's a really good investment, <laughs> isn't it? A buck. Yeah, I messed up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even, even
3: within okay. the past year, I mean, because like even from five years ago, five or six years ago is when it technically became its lowest um and but even as as little as a year ago um it had it had been gaining traction again like out of the blue um and even if you had bought put in a dollar a year ago it would still be worth about $2000 today wow so Yeah. I mean, you're like, and when you start talking about like 15,000 to 20,000% increase or like return on investment (laughs) ROI, like that's insane amounts of cash. Um, so yeah, like that's, and that's, that's what's been going on currently. I'm like, I'm still watching it. Uh, it did after it peaked up to, uh, 45 cents each and then after the whole Doge Day thing kind of didn't pan out the way that they wanted it to. um, They were trying to gun it to like 69 cents each or even a dollar, Um, but obviously that completely fell short. And then a lot of people kind of bailed off of it and it had dropped down to 19 cents at its lowest um, like just after Doge Day. Um, so like or Doggy crazy. day I like Doggy day <laughs> but anyway <laughs> um, so like it had dropped down to nine, like 19 cents but now it's, it's actually had a slow recovery over the past week or so since then and it's already back up into the 30s oh wow so
0: and do you, do you own any of and yes,
3: yes oh. uh, not a lot But (laughs) I I have a whopping 133 Dogecoins right now.
1: (laughs) That's pretty good. And just for everyone listening, uh, if you haven't noticed, uh, Dave has just used Dogecoin. He hasn't even thought
3: about it. It's my favorite part. (laughs) What? True. You've been saying Doge. You didn't even know it. No, I knew. I was just, you know, self-correcting. So it's Um, called peer pressure. (laughs)
1: <laughs>
3: it worked in this case
1: um, you mentioned that uh, uh, Doge was made as a joke and, and I'd argue that every coin after Bitcoin was made as a joke I don't think anyone I remember when this whole craze started and it was just like oh yeah there's a new coin there's a new coin every day and they all were ridiculous name I don't think anyone ever <laughs> expected it to get where it is ethereum no one (laughs) planned on this happening right uh yeah maybe they did um but yeah i I would argue that bitcoin was like okay this could be the one real one it could be the vhs uh, of all the betamaxes and um yeah (laughs) I, I, i don't think
3: the rest of them were ever meant to be real Yeah, I think you were just showing your age there. (laughs) That's a reference all these millennials are not going to get. Wow, almost got me spit the
1: water
0: across the room there. Thank you.
1: (laughs) I had to bring it down to this room's level, you know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, yeah,
3: yeah. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Actually, as far as Ethereum, uh, Ethereum was basically on a – uh they were more serious about it i believe um ethereum like they liked the idea of bitcoin but bitcoin does have uh even to this day has a slow transaction time like it's transactions through bitcoin can take like up to 10 minutes so uh, i didn't know that ethereum's goal was uh was actually to make it faster um, and on top of that, not have it be capped off, so they they were gonna go ahead and let it be um purposely inflationary in perpetuity, but like the inflation drops as time goes on, obviously
1: do we know
3: so, how difficult
1: the the puzzles are between the different coins
3: um, well, it's the algorithm increases in difficulty. Um, the more coins are cre- the more coins that are created. So in
1: in in each coin, but comparing coin to coins, algorithms. Do we know that, or
3: is, are the algorithms like secret? I'm. I, I to be I honest, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, right. To be honest, I'm not sure. But I would assume that like Bitcoin's puzzles are probably extremely difficult at this point, and then because um, it's, it's already approaching its end, right? I mean, they're, they're saying less right. than 20 years. It sounds like 20 years sounds like a lot, but when you compare to like how many Bitcoin are actually left to be able to be mined, it's, very, it's relatively small in comparison to what's already available.
0: Yeah, so, the
1: frame is for solving the algorithm, not for the number of going left, really.
3: Yeah, for completing the, the entire blockchain yeah so and the one of the nice things about um cryptocurrencies in general i mean it's to me it is still like the wave of the future right i mean like we're just barely honestly getting to where it's starting to gain some traction and um starting to be able to be used in everyday life but uh we're like we're just getting there now and like things are starting to move quickly. So, um, and one of the nice things about it is like it is relatively secure. The only uh, the only potential security breach is specifically through our own crypto wallets, whatever company that we choose to use um, to hold our cryptocurrency. So, that's the that's the only thing. But the the good thing is like. Um, As long as you have the, like basically the password, username, you know, and the security details, you can access your uh, crypto wallet from any device, like anywhere, and uh, transfer and make payments. So you don't actually need to have uh, your cash in your hand, your phone, like you don't even need your phone. You could go, you know, hypothetically you were naked and. (laughs) <laughs> you can, can I borrow your phone thanks I'm
0: sorry did you say you were but naked and you just tried idea. to borrow somebody's phone yeah I'm, I'm hey can sure you call me some clothes that didn't work thanks. for Sheldon and he was wearing his underwear in, the, in that train station <laughs> <laughs> big bang
3: theory nice exactly
0: alright so I actually have a question about this because I, I think I read an article uh, I remember reading an article about the reason it takes so long to get Bitcoin is not the, not just that it is uh, hairy um, equations but it takes so much uh, computing energy that um, people on the black market obviously at the when I mean, it's you know at its height and nobody really knows about it yet except people that are on the dark web uh, it took so much computing power that people were you know, hooking up to other computers on the web and borrowing their computing uh, ability and mining it that way. So people on the outside of that, who didn't, who weren't on the dark web, were going, "Why is my computer running so slow? Or what's it doing in the middle of the oh. night? I, that kind of stuff." Wow! Nice. But, <laughs> yeah, but that's <laughs> because totally it required busy. so much computing energy that you couldn't actually buy. You'd have to have a server farm basically to do it right all the time.
3: Yeah, and, and you you would still need to do that now. Um it still to this day does uh like basically cloud computing in order to be able to uh solve the mm. the new blocks. So, so and so, that's basically what those guys uh, were
0: doing, but they were stealing it.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the way the way it like it works for that as far as like cloud computing goes, mm-hmm. um, and creation and solving of the blocks, is each Computer that is actively engaged in it, you actually have to. I mean, you it has like certain particular software protocol that you have to download to your computer, um, and then you have it has to be on purpose. <laughs> like you can't do it on accident. Oh, right. um, and you log in, and it and it connects to, to uh, the Bitcoin blockchain network, um, and every computer that assists in the creation of the block basically gets like credit. So, like, you get fractional Bitcoin for whatever your computer was able to solve. But oh, the amount of uh, the amount of hash comp- uh, compilation, I mean, computations that it needs to go through are just, pff, they're <laughs> absurd. Like, it takes
1: forever. Dating myself a little bit, there was something that we did for more uh, useful purposes, let's say, back in the day, like SETI <laughs> at home. Or uh, protein folding we used to do. That was like the early days of, of cloud computing, and now we're just enriching ourselves by trying to solve some algorithms for our
2: own money,
3: <laughs> right? Like, what's really going on? <laughs> All right. But that's a that's you know that's that's the overview, and that's like you know.
0: You know, that's so just like now, touching the top of it. You're, to go deep into, into Bitcoin and discuss it, I mean truly, it could take us days. I mean honestly, it's just so, yeah. there's so much going on, it's right, especially right now, with um, Robin Hood and uh, there's a couple of other that are doing Bitcoin trading. I mean not Bitcoin, but, um, uh, I'm sorry, I've forgotten the word. Crypto. Crypto. Uh, yeah, crypto oh. companies. Selling, <laughs> buying and selling crypto through them. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, Coinbase. Right, right, right. And we were talking about that. Just but there's so much happening right now. It's like this is the time when it's kind of exploding and when you want to jump in, but I am I'm, I'm very conservative in my um, stock buys and that kind of thing. And for me, it's oh, like yeah. this, this is when everything
3: I would, is I would happening. Suggest that.
0: And I wanted to I, I want to watch it happen because I I think it's going to settle in the next couple of months to where people cuz i think right now because it's such a new thing that people like us that are at, you know really bottom end um, investors are looking for that kind of investment where it's just a huge jump I and mean, we can walk away and i don't think that's actually what's going to happen unless you're, you know, yeah I don't, those I don't believe reddit. so either yeah unless you're following those reddit things or or you know something like that
3: the, um, okay,
0: Alice is texting me. Talk to me, dude. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I sent you all a message uh, about mining a, a
1: different type of coin on your phone, actually, called Pi. Uh, Stanford researchers came up with this. Um, I don't know everything about it, but it's certainly an interesting idea. P.I., Pi? P.I., yeah. Oh,
0: something to look at. Check it out. But like I said I just I mean I have I have some stocks and uh, some mutual funds again the, the stock is because I can move a lot of money around that way but mo- the mutual funds because I have about 13 years before I decide I'm gonna retire I've already picked this number and this is what I'm gonna do um, and so and I think that's one of the reasons that I'm also pretty conservative in what I reach out to buy um, I don't I can't afford a big loss like you know, a Bitcoin crash or something like that. I just can't afford that. But the neat thing about Robinhood and some of the others is that you could buy pieces of uh, stock. You don't have to have you don't have to have fifty-five thousand dollars to have some Bitcoin. You can have five bucks and you have a piece of a five-dollar piece of Bitcoin, which I think is a pretty uh, a pretty neat way to do that because uh, it does give everybody the ability to buy. From you know, security guard all the way up to the CEO, they can all they can all buy that same coin, and I think that's a that's definitely a big turn in the market because the market doesn't very rarely caters to anyone who isn't making you know hundred thousand dollars a year. That was what was so great about the whole GameStop thing. Exactly. Exactly. That was guys that didn't have a bunch of money, but saw what was going to happen, and you know jumped at the right time. That and that's everything in the market is is timing. And I'm not good with timing.
3: (laughs) Yeah, right time. Absolutely. Yep. Wrong
0: place, wrong time. Yep. That's. (laughs) All (laughs) right. Story of my life. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Hey, Donovan. How about uh, how about you talk about the the lightning and the? Are you going to talk about both of them or just the lightning? Uh,
2: I'm going to talk, talk about both of them because they kind of go hand in hand. Okay. Um, as I was doing more research on this, and I've actually been taking notes while you guys have been talking, uh, I was trying to get some numbers <laughs> set sure. up here for you guys, so I had some number, numbers to talk about. <laughs> um, hold on, one sec. 44K uh, per hour. Yeah, 45. Um, so one of the things I've been interested in, I'm I'm a guy. So what guy doesn't like no, the No, you right? wait. So, yeah, so <laughs> fighter jets. Fighter jets are cool, right? So you know, we came out with the f-22 20 odd years ago um been developing us has been developing the f-35 lightning 2 which is a, a pretty cool jet i give it that um but the whole reason why it was designed and built for was to replace the old f-16 um which it is not going to do um so the us has been spending all this money in development and um programming and maintenance of this new fighter jet um which doesn't do what it was supposed to do, which is replace the old F-16, like I said. Um, and uh, and it looks like now, and it's pretty much used it. if, you look, if you were to look up F-35 Lightning, there's tons of news on it. And originally the US Air Force wanted to buy 1,763 F-35s, and they have currently reduced that number down to 1,050. Uh, and that's because of maintenance costs for, for the new F-35 Lightning um it's super expensive it was supposed to be um i guess in partnership with the f-22 kind of like uh the f-15 and the f-16 were in the 70s 80s and 90s the high high-end and the low-end fighter so the uh the f-16 was supposed I mean, the f-35 was supposed to be the low end to the f-22 and it's not bad it's uh, super expensive to build and to maintain Uh, i was putting together numbers here from uh the gao um uh, since 2019 uh it has ballooned the f-35 lightning program has ballooned 1.9 billion dollars and that is uh, extending it through 2027 the program was supposed to end in 2026 so it's extended a year so more money being spent on that as well um and that's let me see here 2018 uh 2018 they started upgrading the jets with new hardware <laughs> adding new weapons capability and computing systems as well so that's part of that 1.9 billion dollars
3: um and what else yeah hey, uh, just We're really ahead quick ahead. can i can i interject <laughs> real quick okay because sure. um, one of the things that i had wanted to mention i had mentioned how much bitcoin was worth right i had said that total market value at current is a little over a trillion dollars. As far as Ethereum, a total Ethereum market value even currently right now is well over 300 billion dollars. And Dogecoin, even though it like peaked and then dropped and is now down into the 30s, the total value for Dogecoin alone is still almost 150 billion dollars wow that's awesome so so let's put that in in perspective with like what uh the amounts of money that donovan is talking about he says (laughs) 1.5 billion dollars and it's like that's that's one percent of what dogecoin is worth right now just to to blow your minds a little (laughs) but
2: but in in comparison that you're talking about we're talking about taxpayers money here
3: (laughs) yeah Um, but, it's, but it's just crazy to think of like uh, the amounts, the sheer amounts of money that we're talking about is just yeah. insane.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it's, yeah, it's super crazy. So like with the, the increase with the, the lightning, the $705 million uh, was is part of the computing system and hardware upgrade, $471 million for overhead and administrative costs, and $336 million for a new training lab. And then also 296 million dollars for a new tech refreshment package for for the jet as well. So it's just like it. So they 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 basically just keep adding cost to the F-35. And Lockheed has, I'm gonna say quote unquote, promise to reduce the uh, the operating cost of the F-35 Lightning. But that's still up in air whether that will even happen or can happen. Um, and I would say looking at history of military spending and since i've been kind of researching this and looking at other joint uh uh jets that were being built by the u.s military i would say it doesn't seem likely (laughs) if you know if i'm Lockheed martin they're like well they already bought the jet right so this is how much it costs to 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 maintain it they just buy less of them so that's that but uh it's been uh, researching all this and then researching the new F-15 Eagle II, the F-15EX, and the cost of that. So the the cost of flying an F-15, the new one, is $20,000 an hour compared to the F-35 Lightning, which is $44,000 an hour. Um, And granted, they both do different things. Um, Essentially, it looks like the F-35 will be like a slightly, cheaper version of the F twenty two Raptor. So the F twenty two Raptor and the F fifteen Eagle basically do fights together. if the Raptor picks a target, F fifteen Eagle engages the target. And once and once the if, if the Eagle were to run out of weapons in the fight, then the, the Raptor would engage. The Raptor carries less weapons than the Eagle because the Eagle has all these hard points. While the Raptor has carries all its weapons the interior. So to keep it uh, stealth, but, uh, things like, what else? Let me see, look at it here. Um, did I say, I already said that how much the military was going to buy and how much they're reducing it. Um, the F-16, e, uh, Viper or the fighting Falcon,
0: uh,
2: has been, uh, they moved the production of that to, to, uh, Greenville, South Carolina. We're still producing that. Most of those go out to other foreign countries. The U S doesn't really buy F-16s anymore. Um, the air force chief of staff acknowledged that buying less f-35s was definitely going to happen Um, so and they're looking at a 14.4 billion dollar cost estimate from 2013 to 2025 for the f-35 lightning program so um and the u.s just started uh just built and delivered its first f-15 ex or the f-15 eagle 2 is what they're going to call it uh, so we got eight of those coming into the program this year and we're probably going to extend the life of the f-15 eagle replace the old f-15 c's and d's with the new eagle 2 um, which is a, a new improved eagle uh better uh better electronics more stealth uh better radar evading hardware built into it um so and it's a proven 47 year old fighter aircraft that's you know never been shot down so as far as as, as platforms go comparing the Eagles to something new like even the Raptor or even the more uh, the current one the the F-35 Lightning um, the the F-15 is just an amazing jet that's just been around forever and it's proven so um, I think the only thing it doesn't have going for it is the stealth capabilities so my I guess my thing is uh, researching all this is just it drives me and I'm a big I'm a Democrat I'm a huge tax and spend Democrat don't get me wrong but when I see money just being wasted on programs like this. It's kind of like, why Why are we doing this? And I, I talked about it earlier. I was saying, it's like, you you have an employee and you send him out to go buy a Dodge Ram truck and he comes back with a Corvette. It's kind of like, well, it, it kind of does what I want it to do but not quite, and it's more expensive to, to, to drive it and insure it and everything else, right? And that's just kind of what the F-35 Lightning is uh, compared to the F-16 and the F-15 that it's supposed to replace. So I that's, I don't know what you guys think about that. I mean, my father was kind of like-
3: I think it makes no sense whatsoever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> my, father, my father was just kind of like, I had this kind of conversation with my father. And my father just kind of like, you know, give him a blank check. I'm like, no, we don't give the military a blank check. <laughs> Cause this is what happens when you give the military a blank check. <laughs> so.
3: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's, it's not even necessarily the military's fault because like they were they were very specific in what they wanted and needed, and it was like uh, Lockheed just wasn't. They made promises that they couldn't deliver. Um,
2: I would, I would agree so. with that too. Uh, but the military was kind of, you know, they, they the Marines wanted one of vertical takeoff, Air Force, you know, wants a sh- you know short takeoff and things like that. So there's different things that went into it that they had to change along the way, which added to the cost of the F-35. So the military, the military did do some of that. Oh, I, well, then Lockheed was like, okay, let's do this. Well, we have this one jet here. Let's take off the wings and add whatever to it. So (laughs) uh, it was was interesting to see. And it's, and the the other thing is- It's like mix and match. Yeah, as as I researched this and I know we talked about it at one time, I I, I came on upon the, the old F-111 and how the F-111 was a, a joint, uh, um, um how to program fighter for both the air force and the navy and the navy version just wasn't coming wasn't what it needed it wasn't strong enough wasn't fast whatever it couldn't land on an aircraft carrier. basically what it was um and even if it did it was big so they there the Navy was just like screw you guys we're not going to buy it it worked great for the air force but there was still a lot of money put into the research in um, development of an aircraft that didn't really work because you got the Air Force and the Navy who basically be two different fighters, right? Trying to come to trying to make something that they both can use, and when you make something that makes everyone happy, no one's happy, right? So
0: <laughs> that's, that's kind of how I would look at that. Hey, um, um, and it was even. I'm sorry, just real quickly. Go ahead. Are you sure it was the, the 111, not the 110? It was the F-111 Art it
2: okay. was it okay. was it, or, yeah. it was originally a joint program fighter between the uh, the air force and the navy
0: yeah that's never good man. they do two different
2: things <laughs> yeah the navy one the navy one wasn't strong enough uh, it had trouble taking off and landing on aircraft carriers um well, i didn't no, you send you the land. links to those guys cuz <laughs> so yeah i didn't send you the links to those guys but i was like watching videos on that going oh my god <laughs> it's like they did not learn a single damn thing like across there's new people like, hey you know what here's a good idea <laughs> so, um but uh, it was interesting to me i mean and i guess from a science and technology point of view it's great for the u.s military to try these things out we get to see what works and stuff like that we take our lessons hopefully and learn from them and put them to something else but if you look at it historically i would say the military doesn't do that <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, the government doesn't do that in general but yeah, the, the military is not good at um, I, Again, I think when you get a group of people together that need to make a decision, the decision even if it's just a yes or no is going to take extra days or months to get that answer Yeah, Because has to go to committee Right, when you do it by committee mm. it just takes forever and when you ask a plane manufacturer to make a single plane that's going to go basically across your your four uh, branches of military, they're going to they're going to look at it and go, sure we can do that, and then they're going to go build <laughs> a plane and take all that crap and put it in the garbage because now they have to start yeah. all over again, again. Like you yeah, said, and so, and, the 111 and couldn't get couldn't get onto and stay on an aircraft carrier, and then it couldn't take off from it because it wasn't a short takeoff, a runway, uh, aircraft. Yep. Um, yep. And I read one of the articles that you sent, um, talking about how the Air Force and the Navy, because they were both in the same theater at the same time, were <laughs> doing what they called high-low, was it high-low? Yes, high-low, yeah. high-low,
2: yep. Yeah, can you talk uh, about high. Yeah, uh, so basically started back in the 70s, so the high-end aircraft uh, was the F-15. Uh, the Eagle, and then the low was the F-16, uh, Fighting Falcon. So, uh, if I remember correctly, the F-16 has the same engine as the Eagle, but only has a single one, not two. Um, it's cheaper to build, cheaper to build and cheaper to maintain. And, and is a, basically, uh, F-15 was an air superiority fighter, which the F-16 can do, but F-16 was really made to attack uh, uh, land targets. And ships and stuff like that so so the f-16 was was out to target um, uh enemy uh sites while the f-15 was an air security fighter basically protecting the f-16 uh why, why it did its mission so yeah. the cheaper to build cheaper to maintain Blind- that's what the f-35 was supposed to be <laughs> to the f-22 raptor um and and as i, I think I, the article that popped up today and i sent it to you guys i mean it was just um it, it 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 basically said it was kind of in between, uh, which is what it is. It's it's not as expensive as the Raptor, but it, it's 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 two thirds the cost of a Raptor. <laughs> so it's 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 a medium range price fighter and not a low end like it was developed to be. So now the Air Force is out and is out to be, uh, in 2023. They want to develop a new replacement fighter for the f-16 again <laughs> so gonna be more money to do that to develop a low end uh uh fighter uh cheaper to build and cheaper to maintain and and has the um the uh, the uh, tactical um um uh, prominence that we're looking for in a fighter right so that's and that's so now we're spending more money again right. to
0: to, re- to replace a fighter that was supposed to be replaced by the F thirty five. So is that, is that and, the same and, article? And, I'm sorry. Is that the same article where they talked about uh, the F? Because currently, like you said, the F sixteen is a single engine fighter, and one of the one of the biggest drawbacks that the military sees in that is that there's no redundancy. If that engine gets tagged yes. by by a missile, that the plane's done. As, yes. as opposed to they, the they still, eagle or the the lightning or the the raptor with two engines it has a it has an ability to limp home
2: yeah the the from what i read everything was showing that the air force wants a single engined fighter aircraft uh to to replace the f-16 again so something like that so i don't know why you know why can't they use the engine from the f-35 lightning or the new f-15 eagle and stuff like that. So um, but right now it looks like the Eagle is kinda gonna be an F sixteen replacement. It's cause there's nothing else out there right now by the, the newer Eagle is,
0: is, is being gonna be brought into production. No so see, but they're still looking I was gonna say, see the, the biggest difference and I didn't see this in any articles, but in my time in the Air Force, the biggest difference between the F sixteen and the Eagle, one, the Eagle can carry a, a little more I'm sorry, not more ordnance, but larger ordnance. The F-16 is designed specifically to go in and out, get in and out very quickly. Yep. Yep. And yep. And dump your ordnance and get the fuck home. Um. The the lightning can't do that mission, and neither can the yes. eagle because eagle's not built that way. It carries enough ordnance to do it, but it's not built to do that job. It's built to do, like you said, air superiority, and. And I, yes. I believe you're correct that an F-15 has never been shot down. Um, yeah. So it's it, th- those those two fighter craft
2: can do those things, but they weren't designed to do that <laughs> specifically.
0: <laughs> so um, no, that so that that's kind of the where they're at. The, the Eagle, the the great plane that it is, though, because it is a much better adaptive fighter.
2: Yes. Um, and that's the thing too with the Eagle, and I mean. I'm biased. I do love the eagle <laughs> though the, F, the F22 Raptor is a badass jet too so as we talked about, about before but um, but uh, the, uh, the the eagle I mean the, the US is looking at basically other than the F22 Raptor the best fighter in the world we own and we build right and it's been it's been around for almost 50 years. it's it's proven now we have a better version of it Thank, basically thanks to Saudi Arabia because Saudi Arabia has been buying the the eagle, and basically funding all these new upgrades. So the new Eagle 2 Eagle that we have has basically been, uh, how should I say, um, built out and, and um, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, um, modified. Oh my God, Mo- modified and, and had a shakedown Thanks to Saudi Arabia, because Saudi Arabia oh, and these okay. other countries have been, okay, we want this, we want the Eagle, but can you add this to it? Oh, and let's add this to it, and can it do this? So <laughs> all, that, all, that, all that's been done. And so now we're like, well, now we got kind of like a new improved fighter. So <laughs> let's, let's just build that. So that's kind of how that's happened with the new Eagle, too. Um, other countries funding uh, a lot of the new uh, technology and abilities that the new Eagle has. So the U.S. basically didn't spend money on that itself. It is kind of like, okay, here's what works, here's what they're doing, add the stat to it, and here's our new fighter. So that's basically what the new F-15 Eagle II is, which costs half the price of the F-35 Lightning.
0: (laughs) So So let me ask you this um, just real quickly, um, because I saw how much research you did, so I'm going to (laughs) dig on you a little bit. Uh, Okay, go for it. (laughs) the, The French fighter aircraft that's being sold to... Because that was actually in the article. Uh, Another European nation, I think. What's that? The Raphael? Yeah, the Raphael. Um, How does that stack up against the new eagle? Because that's, I mean, they're fighting Uh, for the same dollars, basically.
2: Yeah, I haven't, I, I didn't look too much into the Raphael. The Raphael... Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it is basic. I would say the Eagle's a better fighter. Uh, the Raphael's a, I guess, a newer jet, per se, but the, the Eagle um, is going, I don't know what the costs are to the Raphael. Oh, yeah, um, no, no, the, no. Uh, I just the meant The Eagle, yeah, yeah. The Raphael, you're, you're talking about, it's 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 basically, I would say it's still not on, doesn't still compare to the Eagle, despite all its... The being way...
1: a Way cooler name. We can agree that eagle <laughs> versus Raphael. This isn't even a competition. Oh, yeah, absolutely agree Who names but, a but, fighter jet Raphael?
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully French. they'll never Hello. fight each other. But the the Raphael a badass jet. <laughs> so, but it's not an eagle. <laughs> 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 I mean, it can't it can't do what the eagle does. So you know, it it uh, the eagle has 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 been around for so long. It has been developed. We got the c and the d um have uh, been around for at least 25 30 years and now we have got the new ex or the eagle 2. um and I, I just sent john and, and dave an article how one of the an f-15c they didn't release what the distance was but basically hit a target uh, the target farthest ever from a jet fighter so that was from an f-15c so um uh one of the older models because we got the c and the d and then the new ones coming online but uh, it's interesting to see that the um, I, I, I myself looking at as someone who does politics is like, well, how can we make this work? Well, we have the F-35, we have the F-22, we got F-15s, we got new ones coming online. The F-16 still a good fighter, but yeah, it needs to be replaced. It's been around since 79, right? So what do we, what do we need to do uh, to make that work? Uh, but I would say myself, if I were... Someone who had some kind of say in it, I was like, we're going to do this much for the F-35 Lightning and then we're going to stop just like they did with the F-22 and we're going to develop a new fighter that's going to supplement and basically replace the F-16, supplement the F-35s and replace the F-16s. So, um, I mean, I guess in some sense we got two high-end fighters, stealth fighters, no one else in the world has that, so Mm -hmm. that's uh, uh, definitely a plus, I guess, on that, that side of things. Um, and then we still have the F-15. F-15 is still somewhat of a stealthy fighter, right? Um, it's, it's what? It a, 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 was uh, like a, a generation, what, 4.5? So jet, something like that. So um, it's a, it's still, you know, it's still, but, you know, other people in the other, other countries don't want to fight the F-15 Eagles. So. No,
0: but <laughs> when, when you're talking about stealth, um, the, the Raptor and the, the Lightning are are built so they they throw the the radar signal when it hits it, the plane it bounces in a different direction so it doesn't come back to the radar station like it's expected and that's why it's a much smaller signature and why it's hard to yeah what i the read the thing about the eagle yeah what i i'm sorry i was going to say go the, ahead, the thing about the eagle ahead. is not only does it have the ability to outrun almost every plane that it has to deal with almost yep <laughs> it, it's also it's also able to maneuver very very well and i think they're using because it's not a stealth fighter that's a round fuselage and flat wings yep um i think they are using paint from the um
2: blackbird the nightwing the nightwing the old nightwing f-117 F-117, the F-22, and the F-35 all use some kind of... Uh,
0: Reflective paint. Um, hawk.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, well, what I read was like the F-22 Raptor shows up like a bird on, on the radar. <laughs> At best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, it's, but it's, it's it's not a stealth jet per se, but it has a lot of radar evading uh, technology built into it. Now, that wasn't around 25, 30, 40 years ago, right? True. So... Yeah. Um, definitely it's not the same fighter that it was back in the 70s when it was first developed so um but it still stayed true to that um i guess program um, what it was built for and has done so much more um so you know we can see the the new the 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 new the new eagle 2 is supposed to outlive the f-35 lightning as far as lifespan so oh, okay at half the price at at half the price, right? So. <laughs> so, so it's gonna be interesting to see. Who knows what they'll do with the F-35 Lightning in 25, 30 years? You know, will they retire it? Will they keep it around? Will they go to, you know, National Guards? <laughs> you know, There's no way. National so. Guards
0: getting
2: F-35s. <laughs> and I bet you they will sooner or later. <laughs>
0: you know, we always, the, the Marines always the, get. Don't already, already get Eagles. Well, yeah, but see, the Marines are the ones to get the hand-me-downs first. If anything comes out yeah, of Marine Corps that goes to a National Guard unit, they just put it in the garbage bin. Because yeah. the Marines, Marines are the ones who helped develop the vertical takeoff F
2: thirty-five Lightning. That was for the Marines.
0: No, that's not true. They had a. They had a. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. They got. They you did got have. The, they, had, they had. They did have a VTOL before the, the Lightning. Yeah. Because um, I watched four the lightning, of them ruin the my marine... runway at Mount at...
2: Yeah. That was... Oh, my God. That was the British jet. I'm thinking...
0: Uh, yeah. Well, oh yeah, God, the, the Harrier. The yeah, Harrier, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that unusual actually, that the U.S. Bought, bought a jet. And, yeah. And that was actually a really cool plane to watch. Um, I was at Moffett Field in uh, Mountain View when four of them showed up for... Um, War games, basically, with, with the oh, rescue, group. and uh, yeah, because uh, at Field, Fields, the 129th Air Rescue Wing, which means they, uh, you see a lot of PJs there, which are uh, para-jumpers. They are the elite force of the Air Force, uh, like a like a Seal C- or a Green Beret kind of thing. Um, and those guys came in and stopped above my runway about 45 feet to show off. Burned it up? Yeah, we had to replace that brand new runway. We had just replaced it eight months before that. That end of it. So yeah, we had to redo that. Although uh, my colonel made every pilot in that group help us. So, you know, it wasn't bad. But yeah, uh, to, to watch them do their thing is truly amazing. I mean, if, you, if you've ever seen one do their thing on a runway, not in the air, I watched four of them park their happy asses, like I said, about 45 feet off the ground, and all four pirouette on top of my runway. And then come back <laughs> down to level flight, drop their plane to the ground, and roll off to the hangar. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I, I
3: saw everything. the Harrier in a in an air show like years and years ago and like they did they um they they basically they forced him not to do a vertical takeoff <laughs> <laughs> because they didn't want to melt the air shows runway. <laughs> but uh it was like i mean i swear though it looked like i mean it looked like he rolled like 10 feet and took off i was like
0: holy crap yeah they're very, <laughs> and it's then, a very uh, impressive aircraft are they still flying harriers anybody i don't know they that? Aren't, i don't think so i'm i want to say no
2: but i don't know that for a fact um i know but i know the uh the marines were the ones who wanted to break takeoff uh um version of the f-35 lightning which was probably the most expensive version to build uh the build, so they got one um yeah so but i'm not sure how many they're gonna buy <laughs> yeah yeah exactly
3: <laughs> so but yeah well, it's Oh uh, this is this is a way back machine. It just <laughs> reminds me of the uh the uh the the planes from Cobra in the G.I. Joe series. <laughs> the one I just sent the one I just sent you. Oh <laughs> uh, because they, they had they had vertical takeoff too. <laughs> Their whole wings flipped. <laughs> yeah, I just sent the uh,
2: the video on the F thirty six Snake which is basically an F-16 with a delta wing um, and two tails. Uh, so it, it's, a, it's a bigger wingspan, it carries, has more hardpoints, more weapons and stuff like that. But single engine, so but basically an F-16
0: with a different wingspan. But that's the um, that's the one, all the, all the munition is outside, is all outside on hardpoints, right? There's no belly. Yep,
2: yep, so yeah, there's no, yeah, no, there's no, this one's the, whatever the F-16 replacement's gonna be is probably not gonna be a stealth jet. Yeah, we're not going to build
0: another one. <laughs> well, I yeah. well, I, I, might but, be, I might be wrong. <laughs> well, no, but the nice thing about the F sixteen is, um, it can do the high the high fly maneuvers and just drop ordnance. It can also do of the Earth type flying, and that is wicked to see. Um, yeah. And it's one of the few planes that actually has been doing it since day one. When they actually the first F sixteen was a twin engine they were side by sides and uh, uh they weren't able to get that they were kind of like having dual dual webers on your car they never synced properly and and it just hmm. didn't, it just that's why they went to the single engine uh, yeah and it was a really I'm, I'm fun i'm
2: curious now i'm curious since you're in the air force um like with the f 16 um What's your impression of it compared to the Eagle? I mean, as we talked about earlier, they're two totally different fighter jets. But, um, you know, the maintenance cost of F-16 to the F-15 is literally, like, the same as the f 15 compared to the F-35, right? So that's kind of what the Air Force is looking for.
0: Right. Um, I was stationed at Moffitt, and so there weren't any uh, F-16s or Eagles there. We had uh, Mm -hmm. rescue helicopters and... um, Mostly rescue aircraft, as opposed to—I mean, there was a fighter wing there, but there was—I think they had six planes, and I and, oh, wow. I and I never had the opportunity to really work with those guys. Um, I was in—I okay. was no in um, civil engineering, so that's why I got to rebuild that runway. Um, that's why—that's <laughs> why I got to help lay the foundation for the new building. Uh, you know that kind of stuff. I. <laughs> I built I built runways and sidewalks and driveways. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, you know, but it's interesting though. It's like with the F sixteen, it's like, can we build something with the F sixteen frame and the same engine that's reliable and tested and 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 used and, and trusted and, and and do something like the video I just sent? Like, like it's just a souped up F sixteen, and we're just kind of using the same parts, you know. Um, so it's, it, I, I think the. I mean, it would be my opinion that we should definitely look at something like that, but I'm nobody, so,
0: but... <laughs> well, I think, I think one of the things that they look at, um, because the F-16 hasn't been modified in, in several years, and there's been a, a monstrous change in um, electronics that the planes carry now. Uh, yeah, I read that too. I think that's probably their their biggest issue is they can't stuff <laughs> that new stuff in the old cockpit. Into the new one. Right. So, and that's what the Air
2: Force. I said that. I'm sorry, but the the article I said today, the Air Force is basically saying we want a brand new fighter jet. Sure. 2023. Yeah. So that's what they want to do. They they basically said the same thing you're saying. That all the new stuff doesn't fit in the old fighter.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's certainly how they how they um, how the military in general does. uh, We need a new thing. We need a new tank, we need a new jet. Because, you know, none of the new stuff but it's in our old one, uh, which is how we got, you know, 70-mile-an-hour twin-turbo Chrysler, uh, twin turbo Chrysler's uh, tanks. They'll do, you know, 70 miles an hour in the dirt. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's a badass tank. <laughs> it is. It's an absolute badass tank. And and fires, you know, what is it, 155 millimeter? Yep. I think that's yeah, a big fucking bullet is what it is. I'm going to have to edit that. Y'all didn't hear that word. (laughs) What (laughs) word? The word that you've said twice already. Oh, have I? I right. Okay, well, you know, I'll look for edits later. (laughs) Uh, I I don't think I have anything more for... for Yeah, I'm done.